Hello, this is the Coaching for Leaders Saturday Cast. Oh, wait, I know what you're thinking. The Saturday Cast? What? What is this? Well, this is something brand new that I've been inspired to do by a number of our listeners, Academy members, and friends who have said, hey, I'd love to hear more about what listeners are doing, leaders out in our community with what they're learning on the show. Now, don't worry. This is not replacing anything that you're hearing of the normal Monday shows. Those are going to continue to air every Monday. This is going to be maybe a once a month show that will feature one of our listeners or Academy members and sharing more about what they are doing practically out in the world with what they've been learning on Coaching for Leaders. I am just thrilled to be able to welcome our very first Saturday cast guest uh, to the show. Uh, His name is John Pinheiro. John is a regional sales director for a biopharmaceutical company here in the United States. Uh, John and I first met about two years ago. He's out in the state of Florida. We did a meetup in Florida. Uh, John and I had dinner, uh, got to know each other really well, and uh, we recently got together again. And I am just so impressed with John and what he's done in his career over the last few years. And in particular, I was just really struck when John and I first met of how much that he's taken what he's learned on the show and just been really intentional about applying things in the workplace and with colleagues. So, uh, John, I'm so glad to welcome you officially to the Saturday Cast. Well, thank you, Dave. I'm delighted to be here and honored to be your first Saturday podcast guest. Oh, me too. Uh, do you remember how you came across the show? Yeah, I I think I just did a podcast search, and this is probably three years ago because I was looking for something that I could do while I was working out. I like to read books on leadership, but I normally do that in the evenings or on a flight or something like that. But, you know, I thought that a way I could learn is kind of use that time during my workouts to try to find some content that might help me develop. And I ran across your show and I loved it from the very first time. And I've been a loyal listener ever since. I've probably been listening now three and a half, four years now. Oh, cool. Awesome. And I know you, you and your boss have listened to the show together and you've passed it along to other folks on your team. Thank you so much for that. It's uh, it's just been really fun to hear about what you've been implementing over the years. And uh, we, when you and I were talking about doing this, you know, we we were thinking back to some of the past episodes that you've told me about. And you actually are in a fairly new position. Uh, have had a new opportunity come up in the last year. So I, I'm curious, like maybe you can set the stage for us. Like, what changed in your role over the last year or so? Sure, I went from a divisional manager where I was managing eight sales representatives to now a regional role where I'm managing eight divisional managers. So I could tell your show has helped me tremendously in kind of making that transition. And there are several shows that I really kind of honed in on when this opportunity opened up to move into the regional manager position. But there were a few in particular that I really focused in on to kind of help me prepare not only for the interview process for this job, but to really start preparing myself and and my new uh, leadership team on things to focus on, where are areas in terms of our company culture, how do we align with that, and how do we work with a purpose instead of just focusing solely on the numbers, which in sales management, sometimes you get a little bit hyper-focused on the numbers and lose sight of the mission. So I think your podcast have really kind of helped me stay grounded on kind of working for a purpose and really trying to align with our company values. 
Well, and uh, I, I'm glad to hear you say that. And one of the things uh, from a staying grounded standpoint, we talked about the show that uh, Tom Henschel and I were, uh, aired a while ago on how to lead people who you've formerly worked with who are friends, like how to lead your peers. And it's interesting that that isn't really something that's talked about, I found, in a lot of organizations or even in a lot of leadership training. And that was one of the shows you zeroed in on when you were thinking about moving into this new role, because you were taking over leadership of people you'd been peers with before, right? That is correct. That podcast, to me, was able to prepare me from an emotional standpoint, because making that transition from peer to now managing your peers and becoming the leader of the team, there's a lot of emotion attached to that. And I think that emotion comes from the person. In this case, it was me having that opportunity to some of the peers that might be vying for that position. So how do you manage all that? And I think going into the interview process, I knew my gut was telling me that's probably going to be a question that comes up. And how am I going to answer that question? And I think that podcast really helped me to better convey what my mission was, how I planned on leading, but also maybe more than anything, that emotional component that goes into that and being mentally prepared for taking over that role of going from peer to leader. Now I had, I think during that interview process, I interviewed seven uh, with seven different people and it, that question came up six times. You know, how do you envision that working now moving from peer to leader? And it really kind of helped me explain that. So that podcast to me was tremendously helpful because, as you'd mentioned, there isn't a lot of, that I found, resources on that subject matter. And you guys did a great job of kind of breaking that all down. And I think just being comfortable in that role from an emotional standpoint and from a psychological standpoint and having Tom kind of walk through that process really helped me to better cope with that. Yeah. What did you hear in that conversation that you remember like either during the interview process itself or later on when you actually were in the role and had been selected that was just helpful for you of thinking about working with people that you'd been, you know, peers and friends with before? Yeah, I think the one thing that stood out to me is Tom talked about the bell curve that's involved in that. And, you know, you might have some people that are vying for that job. One of the things that my company prides itself on is trying to promote from within. So I didn't know exactly who was competing for the job, but I did know that there were others inside the organization that were competing for the job. And some of them I might end up managing. So uh, talking about the 60% of the people that are probably neutral on the decision, you getting it or, you know, anybody stepping into that role, they're going to be okay with the 20% that are going to be your cheerleaders. And then that 20% that might not be so happy that you got the job. But one of the things that I really like that Tom conveyed is you don't go to the 20% that might not be on board and try to convince them that you're the guy for the job. And this is the reason why I was chosen to try to justify that decision. Just be yourself and understand that that might be happening. But eventually, if you're a good leader, people will follow you and those people will come along and be okay with that decision. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. So you're, th- you're thinking about it from the beginning. I mean, you mentioned mindset a bit ago. You're, you're thinking about it from a mindset of the long game of like, how do I invest in really doing a great job and not worrying so much about what someone's saying this week as I'm coming into the role? 
That's correct. Yeah, I think it's important for you to stay focused on, like you said, the long game, not worry about maybe the chatter that might be happening. Don't be self-conscious because if you're collaborating with your team and gaining their trust and you have a good plan moving forward, you stick with the plan and you can't be self-conscious of the things that might potentially be distractions, like maybe people not being happy with the decision that was made and, you know, getting a promotion. Yeah. Well, and I, I like that you highlight that it's, and I, I remember Tom saying this too, that it's a, it's just a reality. There's going to be people that aren't thrilled about the decision, regardless of how well it you did and what you've articulated and what you performed in the last role. That's just the reality of, especially in an organization that does a promote from within culture. Yeah. And the cool thing about that episode, John, is that I, I know you shared with me that you know a lot of this was for your own thinking because when you actually did get the position, I mean, some of the other people that had been thinking about or had applied for the position, I mean, it ended up working out really great, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. And I was only, at that point, I was so focused in on my interview. I wasn't really, I guess, thinking about the other people that were going to be competing for that job. Now, I did hear through the grapevine, a couple of my colleagues had applied for the job and they were they're, they're great, and they were really worthy of getting the interview. So we were all interviewing together, competing for the same job. Here's the great thing, and it tells you a lot about our company culture and the professionalism that exists in our organization. The two people that interviewed that did not get the job, the minute they got the word they didn't get the job and found out I got it, they call me up. So it saved that awkwardness of me calling or maybe me putting me in an awkward situation, they were the ones that extended the congratulations. And uh, I was really thankful for that because I felt the same way. Had I not gotten the job, I would have called them to let them know that if there's somebody that I would have really wanted to get the job, it would have been either one. I could have worked for either one of them. But I appreciate them extending a congratulations to me immediately following the, uh, the getting the phone call. That's awesome. I know one of the things, I mean, speaking of coming in and leading well, that you were also thinking about is, you know, how to start and how to set the stage. And I know you mentioned to me that Simon Sinek was something, someone that really got you thinking around that and the start with why. How did you take some of the lessons from that conversation and apply it as far as your strategy for starting off with this new team? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm a real big fan of Simon. I have read both of his books, Start With Why and Eat, Leaders Eat Last, I thought they were both terrific. So I really want to incorporate that mindset of really working with a purpose. And I think one of the quotes that he said is, don't focus on the scoreboard, but why you play the game in the first place. Mm. And one of the things with our culture is we're deeply committed to patient first. That is our number one value. So we're in sales and we, you know, obviously want to drive our sales numbers, but we always have to bear that in mind that we have the ability to really change people's lives. So I think Simon really does a great thing by communicating the purpose of the organization because people could roll out of bed every morning knowing that if you're helping somebody out, it's going to make them more motivated than maybe just looking at a sales number and moving a sales number. So we, I really wanted to make that one of our core principles is I was establishing the team. So one of the things that I did is I used that podcast very early on in one of our team meetings. We had everybody listen to it. It was our second conference call. 
and we broke it down and we just had a discussion about it. Mm. And we talked about how we wanted to do this. What is this going to look like on our team? Uh, what is our why? And I think it, what it really came down to was really working for the patient and really putting the patient first and how that really should motivate us and, and drive us every day. And fortunately, it, it, it has. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, what got you thinking to do that, to like have everyone listen to the podcast and just start there? Because I don't, I don't know if I would have thought to do that. <laughs> well, actually, I started doing that with, as a division manager for the same company as we broke down some of your other podcasts oh, nice. that really related to what we do. And I could think of one, and it was a terrific podcast that I highly recommend. It's Stealing the Show. I think the gentleman's name was Michael Port. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did a great job. One, our product that we have is really a paradigm shift in the market because it, there's nothing else like it. So what I like is Michael really talked about that big idea and being able to convey that big idea. And even if you convey maybe a better way, one of the things that he said, people still might not accept that, so it just really helped my team understand, because I think there was a little frustration. We do have something that's probably better than what has been used by doctors we call on, but they're so embedded in the habits that they've formed over the years that it was hard for them to fathom something else that might be better. So if anything, it was really therapeutic for my team, and I think that really kind of helped us get in the doctor's shoes and empathize with the customer a little bit more. Mm. Sometimes when you have something that's that much better, I wouldn't say you get arrogant, but sometimes you just can't understand somebody else's point of view, perhaps. So I think that just kind of got us a little bit more empathetic on how the doctor might be feeling. And then I think that just helped us relay the message, ask a few more questions to really get into that doctor's shoes so we could just have a better understanding of what they might be thinking and not just seeing, seeing it through eye, our eyes, but actually seeing it through their eyes. I think that just really helped us as a team. You and I have talked about Carnegie's principles before, and one of them is, you know, try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. And I think about like how much a leadership is about that of like challenging ourselves. And it is a challenge. It's a constant practice for me. I know like to not think about myself first, but to think about things from the other person's perspective. It sounds like you were trying to be real intentional about that with your team, like just getting into the customer's perspective of like, not not how do we approach this from like what makes sense to us, but what are all the habits and the frust- you know the challenges and the patterns that the customer's been dealing with for years and years and years, and how do we meet them there before we try to suggest something new? Precisely. And I think that podcast really helped us do that. There was a Harvard Business Review article that also kind of touched on that subject as well. It's called Stony Buyers, and it talks about the customer's perspective, what they go through, even if you have a better product. It says your product has to be nine times better for them to make that switch over. Now, fortunately, we have a product that's nine times better than what's out there, so that was good. But it's not only about that you have a better product. It's what are the behavior, the changes in behaviors that is necessary to adopt that product. And our product has a little bit of a different mindset that goes into when, you, when the doctor prescribes the product. When we started, it was a little bit different than the, what they were used to. 
But again, it kind of helped us see things through their eyes. So the combination of that Harvard Business Review article and Michael Port, I think it helped my team get there faster. And as a result, we were a lot more successful yeah, you know, changing behavior is so important. I mean, speaking of that, I I mean, you've changed my behavior on this too, because I mean, you and a couple other people in our community who have mentioned like using a podcast for a team and then talking about it and figuring out how to implement it. I've started suggesting that to some of our listeners who reach out to me. In fact, that just happened earlier today. I had a listener reach out. We were talking and I said, you know, let's help you figure out like what are five or six podcasts you could have people listen to over the next six months, you know, while they're, they're on the road and doing things. And then you can come together as a team and talk about what's the action coming out of that. And I've totally just stole that idea from you because <laughs> you've, you've done it so successfully. And it's, it's just really cool to see. I mean, if you get... I mean, one of the things I really appreciated over the years in the training industry is when you get an entire group of people thinking about a principle and aligned on it and using the same language how powerful it can really be. And you're, you're seeing that same thing. I am. And you know what reminds me of a quote from uh, the great John Wooden, basketball coach. He said, it's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize. So I think that's important because I think there is a rallying call, I guess, for lack of a better word, that as a coach, if there are a few things that you're focusing your team on, and you repeat them, people will also see the importance in those things as well. So I think that quote kind of helped me in my leadership because it helped me emphasize the things that are really important. Because let's face it, days get busy. There's a lot of communication out there. But if you could keep your team focused just on a couple or a few things and make those really important by emphasizing them, it really helps people know that at the end of the day, if I focus on these three things, I'll be successful. So I really try to incorporate that into my coaching and also my leadership. I think that's a huge challenge today for leaders in the midst of um, you know how connected we all are, how much data, how much information, how much emails coming to us on a daily basis. And that actually gets me thinking, John, about something else. I know you've done a lot with your team you know, in the in the spirit of really focusing on something is is how to move numbers and execution. And I know you've used Chris McChesney and his book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, as a model for that. Tell me more about like when you were listening to that show, I mean, where did you start with that and what was the reason for kind of zeroing in on that? Yeah, I think that podcast for me was maybe the turning point for my leadership team and uh, the the region last year. There are so many great things in that podcast. And one of the things that I really like about it, my brain works is always in a stepwise fashion. Not everybody's brain works that way. But for me, if there is a model or a stepwise approach to doing something, for me, it always tends to make it a little bit more practical and a little bit more useful. So that podcast was all about a process. And Chris McChesney, I thought, knocked it out of the park in that podcast when he talked about the wildly important goals and then how to measure those wildly important goals and not make it a coach's scorecard, but make it a player's scorecard. And I'll give you an example of how I mean. In our industry, there are qualitative and quantitative measures. And two things stood out when we did a review of those two areas. So one of them, a qualitative metric that we had was our messaging the effectiveness or that experience that the customer was having with our territory account managers, 
had been declining for about four or five months. The other measure that was, this is more of a quantitative measure, was our closing rates were also slipping over the last four or five months. Mm. So what we did is as the leadership team, we decided what are the two most important things that we could do to kind of turn these two things around? And those really became our wildly important goals. So one was, okay, how could we make that customer experience better? So in my world, in the pharmaceutical world, it's all about clinical knowledge, being able to convey that and doing it in an appropriate fashion. We're regulated, a regulated industry, so everything had to be approved. But how could we make our territory managers or our sales representatives more effective at communicating that clinical message? So we all made a commitment to doing that during our field coaching sessions and during our one-offs with our sales reps. So that was point number one. The second thing is our closing rates. How could we improve our closing rates? And could you imagine if we went from a 48% closing rate, which that's where we were, to a 60 or 70% closing rate, boy, what would that do for our business? So that was another area of focus. So what we did do is we focused on those two measures and we really talked about them on a weekly basis, just as Chris suggested. If you're, if you're only going to do that meeting every two weeks or once a month, don't bother. But it was something that we focused in on weekly, on our weekly conference calls to see what was happening, to share successes, to share best practices on those two wildly important goals. And I'll tell you what the difference was. Our qualitative metrics for that customer experience went from about 48% you know, positive to now a 67% positive rating wow. three months later. And our closing rates went from 48% to 68%, which was a, a nearly, I think, a, a 30% increase in our closing rates. And I'll tell you that the, the end result was us having a 30% increase in sales the second half of the year when we reviewed that podcast and really determined what our wildly important goals were to having that increase of 30% last six months versus the previous six months. So we were celebrating our success at the end of 2017, that's for sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think about the numbers. I mean, 30% is just unheard of in most mature organizations. And it's just it's so exciting mm -hmm. to, to see you do that. Um, what was the biggest change for your team? Like thinking about all that and like just thinking of the results, like now looking back on that, if there was one thing that, that people just did differently after going through that experience, what, what was different? You know, I think it goes back to that emphasis standpoint of, you know, teaching, but also emphasizing because that, the, mm. that really, those two things really became all of our rallying cry. And I think became our sales reps rallying cry is really trying to make it a better customer experience in closing. So I think as a result of that, it just put an intense focus on those two things. And I think that was the big difference maker for my region is we identified what our areas of improvement were and we executed on those two things. And the other thing is we just kept it simple. Instead of having five or six things, again, our worlds get busy and sometimes priorities shift, but those are the two things that we made a commitment to really improving. And we did that by putting an intense focus on them. Wow. It's just so impressive. I hear sometimes organizations, and I know this happens to people in, in our community too, where 
someone in the the CEO or whoever will say, you know, we've got 15 priorities this year. <laughs> and it's, I mean, just to remember <laughs> the number of priorities, much less execute on all 15. Yeah, it's like, it, it kind of, it defeats the purpose of the word priority. And part of what I'm hearing you say is like, just getting really clear as a leader and, and, and on messaging, much less the execution part, but that, you know, this one thing, this, these one or two metrics are really, really important for us to focus on this year. It makes a huge difference. It really does. And I, I'll tell you another podcast that I think really underscores the importance of really prioritizing uh-huh. is how to create team guidelines. Uh-huh. And that was episode 192, which yeah. aired. Yeah, with uh, Susan Gerke. Yeah, she was terrific. You did a great interview with her. And it, it talked about prioritizing, but collaborating on them. They, they can't be my guidelines or my goals. It's got to be the team goals. So really getting buy-in from everybody and having everybody decide what our team guidelines were from the very beginning, it's very much like Chris McChesney's, is as a team trying to identify those areas that we feel we can move those numbers and narrowing that list down because that list started with about 10 priorities, but we narrowed it down to the top two. And Susan Gerke in that podcast also talked about narrowing those guidelines, those team guidelines from narrowing the list from 15, maybe 12 down to no more than five. Mm. So I think that is so key is to make sure you prioritize uh, whether it's guidelines or whether it's goals or, uh, you know, a metric that you're trying to move is really prioritizing to me is really important because people could wrap their brains around a few things. But when you start, that list starts getting five, six, ten, it gets very difficult to remember and even prioritize which ones are most important. So I, that, those two podcasts really helped me do that. Uh. It's great. I, you know, as you're as you're saying this out loud, I mean, one of the things. Anytime you do something new, John, I mean, this is new for us. The Saturday cast. You've been so gracious to uh, to do this. I mean, I'm thinking out loud here. Of, you know, we're we're almost creating a mini curriculum right here <laughs> for someone who's taking on a new role and moving up and taking over a team because you know these three or four episodes. As I'm I'm hearing you articulate this, I mean, if I think if most leaders heard this early on in their tenure of handling a new team. Those are the kinds of things. And I, I would not have thought about Susan Gerke's message in combination with Simon Sinek and managing former peers. But now hearing how you put all those together, I can see how that just makes so much sense to be thinking about all, th- all three or four of those critical pieces all at once. Uh, I love that you did that. It really helped me stay focused because as you could imagine, uh, you know, as a, as any leader in any organization, you're juggling so many priorities. And then if you're taking on a new job or a new role in the organization, you just have so many things going through your mind. So these four or five podcasts that I mentioned today really helped me stay focused on the important stuff yeah. in a very stepwise fashion from getting the opportunity and interviewing for the job with managing your former peers and getting you in that mindset to setting up team guidelines and working with a purpose those two episodes went together for me. And then, okay, now I got my team together. We all know what we're driving towards. Now it's let's find what are the two or three things that will help us move the needle the quickest. 
And that's where I jumped right to Chris McChesney's and the four disciplines of execution and how to actually move the numbers, which was episode 294. So one of the things I'm, I'm curious about hearing you say this too, is how you knew, because some of these, a couple of the episodes you mentioned aired a while ago, a couple of years ago, how did you know to go back or find them? How do you track or do you, have you used the website? I'm just so curious. How did you remember, recall, or figure out what episode was going to be helpful for you in this situation? Well, I've been a loyal listener for a long time, Dave. So the ones <laughs> that I listen to that I really like, and I love all your shows, but ones that really relate that I want to come back and listen to, I save that podcast. And there's an option to do that when you're in the podcast feature of whether you're using iPhone or, or on your iPad. I download those episodes to keep them for future reference uh. because I find that if I listen to a podcast, sometimes I have to listen to it two or three times. I get a lot out of the first time, but sometimes you miss some things. So I always come back to them as a future reference. And not only for me, but I catalog those for my peers who are also interested that might be developing in certain areas and podcasts that could help them. I've turned a lot of people onto your show because I've saved podcasts and forwarded them some of your podcasts because inevitably you're having these conversations, you know, the, um, the water cooler conversations. <laughs> Or in my case, we work remotely, so we, you know, uh, we pick up the phone and call our colleagues. But, you know, inevitably, there's something, a challenge you might be encountering. So I try to keep those handy, those downloaded podcasts, so I can refer to them. So if somebody's having an issue, I say, hey, you, you might want to listen to this. It really helped me with that issue, and perhaps it could help you. Nice, nice. Well, well, thanks for doing that. And so, uh, you know, and for those of you listening, if you have not already uh, done so, you can get access to all the podcasts in the library just go by going to the coachingforleaders.com website. You can search for shows individually, but you can also set up a free membership and it'll give you access to everything. So, John, I'm going to do my best here to see if I can list off the, the full curriculum here you've created. You've just created a training program, John. <laughs> so, so, here it is. So, first one was episode 257 How to Manage Former Peers with Tom Henschel. Tom and I talked about, as John mentioned, this situation a lot of us find ourselves in where all of a sudden we're managing a team and some of the people were, you know, our peers previously. In some cases, some of the people maybe even were our our manager in the past. I've I've had that happen in my career and I've I've seen that happen to others too. So that's a that's a starting point. Also episode two twenty three, start with why, featuring Simon Sinek. And you talked about the mission, John. I love that and, and applying that and keeping that front and center. Uh, episode 294, how to actually move the numbers with Chris McChesney. He talked about the four disciplines of execution and how to execute on that. So if your team is looking and zeroing in on those one or two things, that is absolutely a place to start. And then finally, episode 192, how to create team guidelines. My friend Susan Gerke, uh, who helped us just think of like, what are the big things to do around that? And it sounds like that'd be a pretty good starting point for someone going into the situation like you are. I think it'd be a great starting point. John, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you being willing to be a guinea pig and just you know experiment with me on the Saturday cast here. So what we're going to do is we're going to post up the episodes John referred to. We're also going to link up to you on LinkedIn, uh, John. I'll post uh, this episode up on LinkedIn. And so one thing, if you found something of value from this conversation and go utilize one of these and use it with your team, I would love to hear, but even more importantly, I'd love that John would hear too. So John, hopefully folks will reach out to you on LinkedIn, let them know what was helpful. And I think that'd be uh, totally cool to see how you're inspiring all of us to do some new things with this. Well, thank you.
The pleasure is mine. John Pinheiro, thank you for joining us. Thank you also for uh, checking out the very first Saturday cast here. The Saturday casts are brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. If you're a manager, executive, or business owner who's ready to accelerate your leadership skills, or you're looking for a team of trusted advisors who provide you with regular coaching for the toughest situations and decisions, the Coaching for Leaders Academy might be for you. It's an intimate group of participant leaders who work personally with me for an entire year to develop leadership excellence, accountability, and empower each other. You can discover more about the Academy and get on the early alert list when the new application window next opens by visiting coachingforleaders.com slash academy.